We invite you to turn to Luke chapter 22 as we consider the subject of the Lord's Supper and remembering Jesus. Remembering Jesus. Luke 22 and we're reading verse 14 down through verse 20. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you, that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you, is the new <clears throat> is the new covenant in my blood. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you for your word that is so true. Oh God, we pray in these moments that you'll help us that we might learn more of you, instruct us and encourage us. And I pray, Lord, draw us closer to you. May we be drawn closer to the cross and never forget, Lord, what you did on our behalf. And we pray your will be done in every life, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> the Lord's Supper is something that we, we do because the Lord commands us to do that. We have two ordinances. One is baptism. And I'm praying today, this year that we'll see some people come to know Christ and be baptized. And we're praying for folks to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior and uh, be baptized. That baptistry, I tell you, it's been there. It's been dry. And uh, Brother Jimmy and, and Jordan, I've got, the, I got it fixed now. It'll hold water now. And so we pray that God will bless us with people who come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. The other ordinance is the Lord's table, the Lord's supper. And we try to observe it as much as we can. We, we don't do it every Sunday like some churches do. Uh, the Bible is clear, Paul put it the way, as oft as you do this. There's no frequency given. It seems like the early church observed it every time they got together. But the main thing is, as oft as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. I don't think twice a year is enough. I believe there needs to be more frequency than that. And so you pray as we uh, try to observe it as much as we can this year. The bread is unleavened bread. There's no yeast in the bread. Uh, the dough didn't rise. Because yeast in the Bible, or leaven in the Bible, uh, except for one occasion, represents sin. And there's no sin in the body of Jesus. Jesus committed no sin. The cup <clears throat> is Welch's grape juice. I got a pastor friend of mine that uh, 
Actually, I was his pastor, and I led him to the Lord when he was in college. And he told me that uh, before he took on this church, they had another pastor there. And here's how they did their Lord's Supper. They had two bottles. One was grape juice, and one was little wine. Real, I mean, going down to the wine store, the winery, because this pastor believed you ought to use the real deal. <clears throat> the wine that Jesus drank <clears throat> was the common drink, and it was a mixture of three parts water to one part of the juice that would ferment pretty quickly in that uh, it, it had no refrigeration, they had no way, uh, though there is some literature that says they knew how to keep it from turning to alcohol, but we're using grape juice this morning. So if you're wondering about that, you know, there you are. Very simple, very simple process here, the bread and the cup. <clears throat> uh, we don't do it like some high church where they... Uh, uh, where a priest will take the cup and raise it and show it to everybody and we don't want you to kneel down and bow down to this we don't worship these elements here you know there was a time we did this and I don't say it's nothing really wrong we used to cover the table with a with a white cloth and some of the guys that would help us they would come forward and they would solemnly take the cloth and and fold it almost like you fold a flag you know, away with that. We don't need that. In fact, if you notice, we don't even have the cloth under the, 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 uh, the what, what, did we forget to wash it or something? No. We don't need that. Uh, we don't even need this fancy table up here. Just a plain old table will do. I think Jesus purposely made it. Don't let it be about a big fanfare and a big whip to do. It, very simple common thing we eat bread we drink juice uh, I think sweet tea is my favorite but I need to back out on that but that's what they drunk the cup they called it wine but it was not the wine that you get down at the winery so this morning I want to look at it in three particular things as we look in the passage here the people <clears throat> who is it for the people it starts with the letter P Okay, number two, the purpose, remember Jesus. And number three, the picture. We're going to look at the picture, the visible picture that it gives. First of all, the people, it says he gave it to them. You saw here in the passage, or he, <clears throat> he took the cup and he gave him thanks and uh, he took the bread and it says there in verse 19 he took the bread and he broke it he gave it to them the disciples he gave it to them it's a memorial time we remember Jesus now we've had some memorial services here at our church a few of them that I can recall and the loved one that's passed on usually there would be a picture of that person and then you on the table you'd have some other items that that person was fond of. Maybe they were into knitting or maybe they were into uh, artwork or whatever. And people had an opportunity to talk and maybe share some memories, fond memories of the deceased. Here's the thing. You can't remember someone you've never met. The people for whom this is for 
It's those who know Jesus personally as Lord and Savior. So it's not open to everyone. It's only for those who know him. You can't remember someone you've never met. Now, you might think, well, listen, I, <clears throat> I know some things. I know some historical facts. I know some information. I know some things that Jesus said. I know some things that he did. But do you know him personally? And so it's not for that person. For a person uh, to come to a memorial service and say, you know, oh, Uncle Joe, he, he passed away and we're remembering him today. And, and some stranger comes in. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, I, yeah, 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 we did this and that. And they're lying. They don't even know the guy. That would be disrespectful for someone to do that at a memorial service. It would be blasphemy for a person who is an unbeliever, doesn't know anything about saving grace, to partake of the bread and the cup. And because you're saying that, you're saying, oh, I'm, I'm saved by the body of Jesus. I'm, I'm saved by the one who lived in that body. I'm saved by the blood that he shed. You would be disrespectful. You would be drinking and eating judgment to yourself, not discerning the Lord's body. And so it's for those who are saved. Now here's the thing that Jesus said. Though those that don't know him, they pretend to know him. He says in the last days in Matthew 7, 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But <clears throat> he says in that day, there are going to be some people that are going to say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy <clears throat> in your name and cast out demons in your name? And we've done many mighty works in your name. But here's what Jesus says. He says, I'll say this to them. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. So people are those who know Christ as Lord and Savior. The second word is the word that we think about is the purpose. And this is what Jesus said, going back to our text here, in verse 19, he says, do this, this do, in remembrance of me. In remembrance of me. Now, <clears throat> I remember one time, <clears throat> I, was at a, I was at an associational meeting, and they called all the pastors to come up front. And we all stood, I don't know, maybe about 25 of us, I don't know, if you was a preacher in the building, they looked at you and they expect you to come up front. I remember, I was right in the middle, a long line of them. In between every preacher was some child who was involved with sword drills. I mean, they knew something about the Bible. And they started on one end, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, they began to name all the books of the Bible. And they got to me, they got, they got back in there something like a tobacco was it tobacco or habacca? Some kind of bacca. And I, it was my time to call out a book of the Bible. And I looked to a little, little Johnny down there. Could you help me? <laughs> I, I, I couldn't name all the books of the Bible. Jesus doesn't expect you, but he does expect you to remember me. I may not remember all the kings in 1 Kings and 2 Kings. I mean, I even remember all the Ten Commandments and where they're located, I think, in Exodus chapter 20. If you could do all that, I'll give you an A. Good for you. But Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. There's lots of doctrines I love. There's 
teachings I like. I like the teachings on justification, sanctifications, and end time events. But here's the main part. Don't forget Jesus. You're in trouble if you forget about Jesus. You remember when Jesus was 12 years old? His parents took him to the temple. They did it to Jerusalem every year. There's a big caravan. Not, I'm not talking about a Dodge van. A caravan. Large group of people. They went together on these trips. On the way back, one day's journey, where's uh, Jesus? I couldn't find him. His brothers and sisters were there. Somebody forgot to do the checkoff list. Somebody forgot to count the heads. Somebody left. Where's Jesus? It took three days. They finally found him. He was in the temple talking to those experts of the law. It's important that you find Jesus because you may have everything you think together, but if you, if you're, if you lose Jesus, if you forget about Jesus, you're in trouble. And that's why we observe the Lord's Supper. We don't want to forget him, who he is. Who is he? Number one, he's our Savior. He's our Savior. Uh, John said in 1 John 4, 14, the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Does that mean the whole world's going to be saved? No, but it's the only Savior the world can have. And if anybody in the world will be saved, it's because of that one Savior, the Lord Jesus. He's our Savior. Now let me say this. He's not a political Savior. Some try to make Jesus a political Savior. Oh, when it comes to election times, we want to get all the evangelicals and all the religious people. Yes, we're all for Jesus. Yeah. Jesus was not and is not a political Savior. He does not promise to bring down inflation and and, uh, prevent recession and depression and all that. He's not a political Savior. He's not a medical savior. I wish I could say the Lord could give you some kind of some kind of appeal that you know you'll never have an ache, never have a pain, never have a heartache. He's not a medical savior. But he has given us the gospel. And the worst disease you can have, the greatest sin there is, is, a, is sin. And Jesus came to do something about that. He's our Savior. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Thank God for that. Acts 4 and 12 says, There's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And that's the Lord Jesus. He's our Savior. Also, He's our best friend. He's the best friend you'll ever have. And the Bible says in Matthew eleven nineteen, 19, He's a friend of sinners. Sinners and publicans. I didn't say Republicans. I said publicans. That's tax collectors. I'm glad he's a friend of sinners because that's who I am. And he's, he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I mean, you, you experience days that are dark, days of despair, days of loneliness, days that you feel so discouraged. You need a friend. You can call upon him. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And he lays down his life for his friends. And that's what he did on the cross. Also, he's our strength. He's our strength. I need strength. I think of what David said in Psalms 28 and verse 7. He says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. 
In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts and with my song I give thanks to him. The Lord is the strength of his people. He's my strength. I need his help. And Paul speaks about that power that we have in Ephesians 3 and 20. You can look that up. That the, the power that he gives us through the Lord Jesus. Another, something else. Not only is he that, he's our interceder. Interceder. When I think of interceding, I also think of intervening. Uh, it's God in his wrath against a holy God, against the wrath, against sin. And then here we are. We are the ones who offended God. God is the one who's been offended. Jesus is in between intervening. And he receives the wrath of God, punishment for uh, sin for us. Jesus does that. The Bible tells us that he is at the right hand of God interceding for us. Uh, he's for us. Now the devil is our accuser. But Jesus stands up for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? He intercedes for us. Thank God for that. I think of the thief on the cross. When he came to the realization that he is guilty, not Jesus, but he himself was guilty, and the other thief was guilty, he looked at Jesus and said, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, Today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus interceded him right there on the cross. Thank God for that. And I think about Stephen, that one who preached so powerfully and he was bold in his preaching and he was stoned by those of the enemies and as he was falling down and about to get his last breath, he looked up and saw the heavens open and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. That tells us something that Jesus is very much concerned and interested in his saints, in his people. And he has an interest in us when we are being mistreated, we're being abused. And there's so many Christians today that are being persecuted today. Our Lord stands up and he has great interest. And the Lord told us that we're going to face trials and tribulations. But don't ever think for one moment that the Lord does not care. He does care for us. He does care. He's alive. He's not dead. He's alive. He's at the right hand of God and he's interceding on our behalf. I mean, he pleads our case like a lawyer. He pleads our case. Then something else. I want you to look at the text now. Verse 16. Two things here. Verse 16 again. For I tell you, Jesus says, I will not eat until it's finished, until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. In other words, this Passover, this what he institutes the Lord's Supper, Jesus does not partake of it himself. He says, I will not eat of it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. There's a future time when we'll be around the banquet table of the Lord, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Look at verse 18. Verse 18, For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until what? Until the kingdom of God comes. So here's the purpose. Jesus is our Savior. He's our best friend. He's our strength. And he's our interceder. But also, he is our soon coming king. King Jesus is coming. 
I mean, he told John the right, Behold, I come quickly. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you that where I am, there you may be also. There's that promise from our Lord. And Paul wrote about this in Romans 13, 11. He says, it's high time they'll wake out of sleep. I tell you, the church of the Lord Jesus, we need to wake up out of our sleep because it's high time because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Now, we've been in the last days for a long time, ever since the early church. We're in the last days, yes. He could come at any moment. We need to be prepared for that. So we talked about the people. We talked about the purpose Let's talk about the picture. The bread and the cup. The bread and the cup. What is it a picture of? Well, three things I want to share with you about that. First, I want to read what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 26. He says this, For as oft as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim, you preach, you're preaching a sermon. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I mean, until Jesus comes, we're proclaiming the Lord's death. So what's, what is the picture of? It's a picture of the Lord's death. The Lord's death. So we have here on the table here this morning, we have the bread in one container. We have the juice in another container. We don't mix the two. We don't treat the juice like some kind of dipping sauce where you dip the bread in the juice. We don't mix it. It's separated. Why is that? The bread represents the body of the Lord Jesus. The juice represents the blood of the Lord Jesus. When the blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus is separated, that means he died. His blood was shed. His blood is out of his body. It's separated. And we are proclaiming to eat everyone the Lord's death until Jesus comes. Well, that's what we show. But then there's something else I want you to look at. Look at verse 20 where he says this. And likewise the cup after they had eaten saying this cup that is poured out for you. What is it? It's the new covenant in my blood. It's the new covenant in my blood. That's the second picture I want you to think about. Not only does it a picture, a picture of the Lord's death, but it is a picture of grace. The covenant of grace. You see, Adam had a covenant relationship with God. God made a covenant with Adam. Remember what he said to Adam? Adam, you can have all the things here. The tree, there's one tree that you're not to be a partaker of. But when Adam broke that covenant. He went against God's will. In Adam, the Bible says, we all died. We all fell. All humanity because of Adam's sin. But then there's a second Adam. Oh, thank God for the second Adam. That is the Lord Jesus. Was he obedient or was he not? He was obedient in everything. And Paul said in Philippians uh, chapter 2 and verse 8. Let me read that to you. First, uh, Philippians 2 and verse 8. He says this. And being found in human form, 
Jesus, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus, the second Adam, he kept the covenant. And now he extends the covenant of grace to us. You see, we don't go to heaven because, oh, I'm a good guy. There's none good. No, not one. There's only one good. (laughs) But we go to heaven because we trust in Jesus, who is the one that God says, in him I am well pleased. We trust in him and him alone. And so this is a picture of God's grace. And the third thing is this. It's a picture of a salvation to receive. A salvation to receive freely. Now, you didn't have to bring your own cup today. You didn't have to bring your own bottle of juice today. It's already been provided for you. Uh, Sometimes I hear about, well, we're going to invite people out. We're going to have a picnic out here somewhere. You need to bring your own lawn chair. Oh, they don't have enough chairs. Bring your own. You don't bring your own cup. You don't bring your own bread. It's already been provided. What's that telling us? Salvation is free. Jesus paid it all. When he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. We don't add anything to our salvation. Just as I am without one plea, only to his cross I claim. We don't bring anything to add, to garnish, to, to make it better. It's just simply Jesus. Jesus alone saves. Sometimes you'll hear those people talk about, well, yeah, we know Jesus saved, but listen, there's something that you've got to do. Not when it talks about salvation. It's like a little kid came up to an evangelist one time. The little kid, oh, what, what, what can I do? I, I want to be saved. What? He said, you can't do anything. It's already been done. You just receive the Lord Jesus. Receive what's already been done. So you may feel this morning, you know, I, 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 my heart feels so cold. That's okay. Just come to Jesus freely and ask him to fill your heart with his warm spirit. You say, well, I just, uh, I just feel so inadequate. I remember a guy one time, he, he just didn't take the Lord's service. He just felt, I feel so unworthy. That's okay. Jesus makes us worthy. We're worthy because of his blood that he shed, not because of who, how we feel. It's not about feelings anyway. So we come and we receive. For whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Thank God for the free salvation that we have at the Lord Jesus this morning. Let's pray. As we pray, let's ask God to prepare our hearts now. And if there's anything in our minds and our hearts that we need to deal with, let's do that right now before we observe. Because we don't rush into this. We just pray, Lord, search our hearts right now, we pray. If there's anything there that's offensive to you, uh, we ask your forgiveness. Uh, We repent of our sin Maybe a wrong attitude. Maybe some, some thought that we were just harboring in our minds. I pray, Lord, you forgive us and cleanse us. And we're so thankful, Lord, that you said if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins. And Lord, I pray as we observe 
the Lord's table this morning, I pray it will be a blessed time as we remember our great Redeemer, our Lord and our Savior. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Chris Gowan. Thank you for listening, and we hope the message was helpful. If you want to reach out to us through Sermon Audio, you can email, call, or even write us using our contact information that's given on this website. We'd be delighted to help you in your walk with Christ. May our blessed Lord enrich you and yours with his amazing grace and abounding love. Goodbye.